Welcome back to Your Voice First Podcast, where we discuss Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, voice technology, blockchain, and the creator economy. Today, we're going to be looking at social tokens and adding utility to NFTs. And when you're hearing this, you might not know much about it, especially if you're not that deep into blockchain. So to tell you more, I'm going to turn it over to our first interviewee, Gary Vaynerchuk. Next up, we've got Gary Vaynerchuk to discuss how creators can leverage NFTs with utility, turning these silly little paintings and songs into something that actually has utility in the real world. I believe that anybody who sells a book, a music album, access to a sporting event, a table at a restaurant, a conference ticket, a home, everyone will use NFT infrastructure in the future decades, thus making this era incredibly important because the Amazons and Ebays and Googles and Microsoft Explorer or Google Chrome, the rules are being established about the iPhone, the early apps, there was a bunch of garbage and there's a bunch of garbage in NFT land, but some of those early apps became the biggest companies in the world. I believe the people that do the best NFT projects over the next two years will have disproportionate financial outcomes and legacy outcomes over the next two decades. So for example, you're talking about like this ticket, like let's say for example, Expo 2020 in Dubai or Art Dubai or Art Abu Dhabi, would they create an NFT? Like bring it to life to something that we would see in the region. There will be no reason for those two events to issue regular tickets in 2025 when everybody on earth has this knowledge. The reason is by creating an NFT, they create a derivative asset after the conference. So not only that, that asset sits in people's wallets and just like an airplane ticket sits in my Apple wallet now, yep. over time, that token is something that I can connect to and do something with. For example, if we issued the NFT now, two things happen that are better than the paper ticket or the virtual ticket that those two events are issuing today. One, immediately that becomes a digital asset. The organization in that ticket can say, if this piece of art, which is a ticket, all this is going to blend. Think about the art festival. They can make a very beautiful digital asset as the ticket. When that ticket, that piece of art is sold in the future as a collectible, no different than a ticket to the first world series or the world cup. I can go on eBay right now and buy a ticket stub from the first world cup, right? Got it. When that's sold, the person that owned it and eBay will make all the money. However, in the future, the people that issued the NFT will. So for example, bringing it to life, World Expo makes a beautiful ticket. It's the actual ticket, the NFT. When I, Gary, go, and I have a lovely time, but then in six years, the artist that made that ticket became super famous and everybody wants this NFT and I sell it for $2,000. The expo makes 10% on that because it's on the ledger forever. Yeah. In perpetuity, there is a royalty in the contract. That is very different than issuing a ticket. Not only that, it's marketing. When Maha, who will do this in 20 years, if you know Maha, meets somebody important or famous or influential. Today, when we meet somebody, we look at Google and we look at Instagram to see who they are after they leave. Oh, that person was interesting. Let me look them up, right? Yeah, we all do it. I believe in five years, we will also look at Maha's public wallet to see what tokens she has. And when I look in there and see that she has 
four years worth of going to the art festival or the film festival, right? You know, in Egypt or, or World Expo, that will be marketing towards me. Wow, this interesting person that I think is cool and is accomplished, they go every year to this art expo. I wanna go to the art expo. There was no way to do what I just said five years ago. Exactly. There might be a photo that you put on Instagram that says you're here, but by the time I meet you four years later, I'm not seeing that photo. Whereas the public wallet will become a social currency layer. So what the expo just did by not issuing a boring QR code ticket or a paper ticket by doing an NFT is they've created a collectible variable that could be marketing, but it is also a financial impact on them because as that token continues to trade, then all of a sudden they're making money in perpetuity. Gary Vee has been one of the top influencers bringing awareness to the NFT and Web3 space. One of the things I found most important about Gary's interview is when it was recorded. The interview was recorded a couple days before his Friends NFT series dropped. So this was back in May. And as of today, Gary Vee has announced that any owner of one of his Friends NFTs owns a ticket to his upcoming conference in May. 2022. So Gary has already gone and provided utility around conference attendance. If you own one of his NFTs, you get to attend a real world conference. No matter how much money you have and how much you want to pay for an actual ticket, the only way you can get into that conference is by owning an NFT. So what that's done is that has added value to all of the fans of Gary Vee and all of the holders of his Friends NFT collection. If you don't plan on going to Gary Vee's conference, but you hold one of his NFTs that you bought for, let's call it uh, 0.3 ETH at the time may have been like $700. Now you can resell that NFT to fans that are crawling over themselves to buy at multiple ETH, any of the V friends, whether these are fans that actually want to go to the conference or speculators that seeing Gary Vee add value to this NFT now want to buy the NFT to hold it, seeing that the value is going to go up more. Gary Vee, by adding value to his NFT, not only makes the NFT collection more valuable for Gary Vee, because every purchase and repurchase of that NFT goes back to Gary Vee, it also adds value to the community. Because by holding the token, you get benefits getting to attend conferences. And if you end up losing favor with Gary Vee and you don't like the benefits that you get, you can resell it and potentially earn additional money um, than what you bought it for. So you can potentially make a profit so everybody can profit, fans as well as the creator, Gary Vaynerchuk, as opposed to the old world where it was only the creator that benefited. In the Web3, NFT, blockchain, social token world, everybody benefits. There's a much more blurred line between the creator and the fan in terms of value creation and value accrual over time. Up next, we're taking a step back. We're gonna listen to Gregory over at DAP University talk about the high level why of why someone would want a social token um, and how it could be important as a building block for the creator economy. So what if Disney were to adopt a social token? What would that look like and why would it be such a massive game changer? Well, think about it this way. Disney has about you know 3 billion people that are a part of its customer base, but they have a massive problem. They don't always have direct access to these fans. You have to think about like the business's incentives to why they might use this in the first place. 
So if they want to, you know, get back to their customers or you know, get the word out to their customers, then they essentially have to, you know, rent them back from, you know, the social platforms that they're a part of. Maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's YouTube or Google. They'll they'll buy ads in these platforms to try to reach their customers again. Okay. They'll pay for advertising to do this. But because they don't have that direct relationship with their fans, but social tokens can change this dynamic where basically if you if you have a social token that represents part of being the Disney ecosystem, you can get that direct access. And now this token is the currency of the Disney world because Disney is a massive brand and this currency can be used in a variety of places. You know, it can be used for theme parks. It can be used for Disney merchandise. It can be used for films. And so that introduces all these new incentives for the fans to hold the token because they can get discounts. They can see a film early. They can get bonuses at a theme park. You do not have to wait in line or something like that. And really what it does is it changes how these communities work. And there's already a huge, you know, economic community around Disney. Like I was saying, there are people who sell Disney themed toys, Disney apparel. But as a token holder, like now you can get benefits from that ecosystem in a way that you couldn't get before. And that's why this is such a game changer, because as this community gets more valuable, the token gets more value. And then that value actually accrues to the, the community itself, the people who hold the tokens, not necessarily just the shareholders of a corporation. That's a huge game changer. It makes this more decentralized where the participants of the network can actually get benefits themselves, not just, you know, the issuer. And so we've already seen, you know, attempts at this with other businesses like Facebook, you know, trying to launch the Libra coin or also renamed to DM, which is basically a stable coin to power the Facebook economy. And this is about 3.5 billion people. And if they're able to pull this off, uh, then it's really likely that other social media platforms and other tech companies will try to do the same thing, like YouTube, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And another big point that Raul makes in that video, again, I've linked down below, is that this really changes how pretty much all network effect businesses work. He says it's basically just as a game changer for how all network effect driven businesses work. So quick recap, what is a network effect? Well, essentially, if you're talking about any you know business that takes a lot of people that are connected with one another, and that's where the value is, let's say a social media platform, for example, like it's pretty easy to build a Facebook clone, but that Facebook clone isn't valuable unless you have the same types of users that are on Facebook and the same number of users, because Facebook becomes more valuable the more people are on it, the more friends that you can make, the more status updates you can make. We see lots of network effect driven businesses across tech, you know, Uber. I mean, Amazon's a network effect driven business. The more merchants are on there, the more buyers and sellers. The list just goes on and on. But the game changer for how this works is when you have all these users that are a part of the system, they're essentially a community. And if you can issue a social token that's a part of that community, and you can introduce all these benefits like I was talking about before, maybe it's discounts, maybe it's special perks, whatever, that they get the incentive to hold this token. And then that token actually increases in value. And that value can go back to the participants of the community, not just the, the shareholders of the company. That's the massive game changer here. love how Gregory talked about owning your customers and having to currently rent out your customers from the social platforms. In the modern web, Web2, which revolves a lot around social media, companies and creators really don't have a direct connection with their fans. They Their only connection with their fans is through a social platform. So if they want to ever connect with those fans, they have to pay for ads, they have to boost a post, they have to sponsor something. Uh, in order to bring their fans into a different world or to a different event. But with Web3, you can directly have a relationship with each of your fans. Just like how he discussed with Disney, you can have a one-on-one -on -one connection with your fans, which is something 
in the new creator economy of Web3 that did not exist before. You actually own your fans, and that's very powerful for creators' ability to port those fans over to different platforms. Like right now, if I wanted to bring, if I have 1 million fans on Instagram, and then TikTok comes out, and I want to bring all those fans over to my TikTok profile, I can't. They're all in a walled garden of Instagram, and they can't be ported over to TikTok. But with Web3, um, everything's associated with a private key and a public key. So your public key and private key are the same whether you're browsing on Twitter, whether you're browsing on Instagram or TikTok, or if you're scrolling for tickets to the next Disney attraction, your public key is the same in all those places, which means that any of those websites can scrape your public key to see who's your fans, what NFTs do you own, what utility do you have access to. It's all publicly verifiable and it's not in a private company's database, like an Instagram database or a Facebook database. And when you have a private database like that, the only way to get access is if the provider gives you access. So if there's the Twitter API, I can scrape the Twitter API to get information about my fans and other things. But then something like the 2016 Donald Trump election could happen. And then Facebook goes and totally changes its API. And you as a creator used to have access to these different attributes, but hey, now Facebook says that this is leading to fake news and isn't respecting the rights of customers, so they shut off access to their API, giving you as a creator less rights to the data of your fans. So really appreciated DAP University. I've done a lot of learning from Gregory and DAP University to learn how to program Solidity to get the work that I'm doing now in the blockchain space. Up next, we're going to take it over to A16Z and Rally. A16Z is one of the biggest investment firms in the United States, and Rally is, I'd say, the biggest blockchain company building out social tokens, helping creators. So if you're a creator um, and you want to make a social token, you can. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're in the voice community, you probably are aware of the bot token, which was created by VoiceBot AI. Uh, This token was created using the Rally network. So the community token for the Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant voice community was built on top of Rally. So in this next interview, we've got the CEO and founder of Rally, as well as one of the general partners, Chris, from A16Z, discussing social tokens as, uh, in both the fungible form of ERC-20s, as well as in the non-fungible form of ERC-721s. Thank you, Kevin and Chris. Uh, I want to make sure we get to some audience questions. Um, So first one, someone says that they will be launching their social token very soon on Rally. Very exciting. Um, Do you have any tips or suggestions for this emerging creator? Yes. uh, Well, well, thank you. the, the the number one thing is to. Really By the way, this is it. a real question. It's we did not script this one. It, no, I know it sounds staged, but I swear it's not. Kevin, yeah. you're so awesome. How do you? How do you? I'm so awesome. Uh, yeah, so we did nothing to do with this. Uh, so thank you guys for that. Um, the yeah, the number one thing is really thinking about building a community and so creating ways for your fans to earn uh, tokens as you first create this token and launch it into the world. Uh, I think it's probably the most important thing is to really think about this as building a community online, getting a group of people who are going to be your most passionate followers and supporters. How do you get them engaged with creating you know, value together in this new online community that your uh, journey that you're embarking on? I would just, I would just add to that. Like, I think this is the, 
I think when we look back in this period and we say what sort of NFTs work and what didn't, the key dividing line will be community, right? This is why CryptoPunks is so strong. This is why NBA Top Shot is so strong. And I think on contrast, there, you know, there's sort of these one-off transactional things happening now where there's really no community, which I think could be the, which I think are the things that were less likely to work. Um, I don't know. So yeah, it can't emphasize it enough. The good news is there's, you know, we've spent 20 years collectively figuring out how to build communities on the internet. So now, now we have a sort of a complementary piece of the puzzle, which is how to monetize it. A16Z has been doing an amazing job transitioning as a venture firm that was spun up and created in the Web2 world and now bringing a lot of that intelligence and learning about Web3. I've listened to a lot of A16Z's podcasts on the creator economy and NFTs over the past couple months. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about some specific uh, actual NFTs and social tokens that have been released and some projects that have been released. The first one that we're going to go to is Tory Lanes, who went platinum in less than one minute by selling one million copies of his latest NFT album. I want to celebrate for no reason. I want to make sure I'm celebrating for the right. It's gone. So it's gone. Tory Lanez is the first musician in the world to go platinum selling 1 million copies of his NFT in less than one minute. Up next, we've got Mila Kunis talking about the first TV show, which is airing as an NFT, Stoner Cats. This TV show is coming from the people that were involved in that 70s show, Family Guy, other hit TV shows and movies. They are now adopting uh, new TV shows where they cut the studio entirely out of the picture, bringing more revenue to both the creators as well as the fans that are watching the show. Mario, the tokenomics are really novel. You know, if you own a token, and, and if I am I getting this right, you 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 get access to a stoner cat uh, content. And if you sell your token, the new owner can't watch past content, but can watch new content. No, so if you hold a token, you can watch any of the content that we release. Yeah. So in that moment moment of time, if you own it, you can watch past episodes, you can watch all the future episodes, whatever it is. Uh, so that token is really. Like the way that I kind of think about it is like it's like your your login or your username or you know your your um, your access to a streaming network. 
Okay. Understood. And um, also a little bit of like ownership in the content. Like you, you have like a right. little bit of, yeah. So you're you ending so the whole system in terms of Netflix, you know, being the centralized mediator between content creators and viewers, you guys are eliminating the middleman in this new model. Well, yes. So to speak, I do want to say both things can exist in the same world, but in, in the world that we're creating, yes, we don't have, there is no studio. I appreciated the news reporter's confusion around the NFT because her first question was like, okay, so if I resell this NFT on episode three, that means that the new person that owns the token only gets to watch episodes four on, right? And the original owner gets to watch episodes one to three, right? And they corrected her and they said, no, whoever's holding the NFT gets to watch all the episodes, both legacy and future episodes. And if you sell the token, you no longer have access to watch those episodes. And the reason I want to highlight that is it's a wild west in terms of what utility creators are adding to their tokens. Some creators are adding value like the ability to go to a conference. Others are giving benefits of you're the only person that gets to listen to this content. Other people are saying you get to watch all the episodes on our streaming platform. It's up to the artist and the creator to decide what utility gets unlocked by owning their social token or by owning their NFT. And you really can't go wrong. Um, the fact of the matter is this is brand new technology. This is new infrastructure. These are new rails for creators to build their entire business on. And you get the freedom to decide how you wanna build this. This isn't a static interface like Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant where Amazon Alexa rolls out an SDK and says, hey developers, here's how you can build these tools. With blockchain and Web3, everything is protocol level, which gives you the freedom of creating any type of website you like. When HTTP and TCP and IP came out as internet protocols, the creators were able to decide, ooh, I wanna make my website super minimal and I wanna make it dark themed and light themed. Like, nobody told anyone how to build a website. Everyone just saw the protocol and then creators built creatively on top of that. And the most creative creators who built the most vibrant communities are the ones that were most successful. And that trend's gonna be the same moving on. I wanted to include a quick segment on VoiceBot, but it doesn't seem that anyone's talking about the BOT token or the bot token, which has been so big inside of the voice community, or at least it was back in March. Nobody seems to be talking about it right now. I have tweeted at Brett Kinsella and Jan Koenig to see if either of them have any sources, which I can include in next week's episode. But to finish off, the most successful projects in the creator economy, and especially this Web3 iteration, are going to be the creators that have the most novel forms of utility attached to their social tokens and to their NFTs, who are then able to build the most vibrant communities of people. And those communities are going to gravitate to wherever they get the best benefit. Um, it's no longer the case that just the hottest singer or the best band is going to become famous members of communities and fans are going to continue to ask, how am I being incentivized to be a part of this community? And it's up to you as a creator to add that utility to your communities. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch you next week. This is Sweets signing off.